Hi, welcome to Forever Paranormal with Dr. Bill and Deb. The term paranormal refers to phenomena and experiences that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding and cannot be easily explained through traditional scientific principles. These phenomena often challenge conventional beliefs and are associated with the supernatural, metaphysical, or unexplained aspects of reality. As with any field of inquiry, it is essential to approach the paranormal with an open but critical mind, relying on empirical evidence and logical reasoning to draw conclusions. It's a topic that continues to intrigue and challenge both believers and skeptics alike, and if we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. You'll be surprised by what all can be connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Please just reach out. Well, hello there everyone, and welcome to this week's episode, where we are going to discuss the terrifying, true story of the rite of exorcism gone horribly wrong. That of Annalise McKell. Yes, this is the young woman whom the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose is based on. Hi, Deb. How Hi. are you this week? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. How's the crows? They're habituating hard this morning. They must be hungry. So <laughs> I guess everyone knows we're doing this episode in the morning this week. I guess. Yeah. So anyhow, what's new with you? Yesterday, while looking for something to read, I ran across a news headline in the uh, AP News, and it's, it reads, A $1.4 million speeding ticket surprised a Georgia man. And I said, what? $1.4 million speeding ticket. Yes. Okay, you got to explain this one. So, he apparently was only driving... 90 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. So, naturally, when he gets this ticket, he calls the court thinking, you know, this has to be a typo. But he was told he either had to pay it or appear in court. Wow. So, this news report, the reporter must have done his due diligence or her due diligence and called the court to verify and was told... Anyone driving more than 35 miles an hour above the speed limit has to appear in court where a judge determines the actual fine. Apparently, the figure this guy or person received reflected a placeholder that was automatically generated by whatever software they use at this recorder's court. And the actual fine cannot exceed $1,000 in addition to state-mandated costs. That's still pretty high, $1,000. Mm-hmm. So why did it automatically generate $1.4 million? It, I, they say they don't issue the placeholder as a threat 
to scare anybody. Really? <laughs> even, even though this person heard differently from somebody. But the end of the story, the, the reporter said that the court is currently working on adjusting the placeholder language to avoid confusion. Yeah, that would scare the crap out of anybody. I, you know, that would not make me want to go to court. That would make me want to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, wow, that's pretty pretty wild tale there. Not many people are going to just pay that. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, All thought right. so. Okay, so as we said at the beginning... This story is truly a terrifying tale, and it's not something from the ancient past. Nope, not at all, as it took place in Germany in 1976, and it ended with the death of young Annalise, while the priest and her parents ended up being tried for murder. One needs to know and understand that the rites of exorcism predate Christianity and the church and is a part of every culture and religion around the world. So we are in no way trying to single out any particular faith with this story. We're only discussing the facts of this case study. So let's go ahead and get into the weeds of this rabbit hole. Who is Annalise McKell? Well, she was born in Liebelfing, Bavaria, West Germany, on September 21st, 1952. Her parents are Joseph and Anna Mikkel and were very devout Roman Catholics, as was Annalise growing up in Klingenberg, Bavaria, West Germany, in the 1960s, where she was said to have attended Mass twice a week. It seems her troubles began right around the age of 16, when she suddenly blacked out in school and started walking around in a daze. Annalise had no memory of the event, but her friends and family claimed that she was walking around in a trance-like state. She appeared to be okay for about a year, when suddenly experienced something similar when she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body then went through a series of convulsions, causing her body to shake uncontrollably, leaving many of those closest to her certain that she was possessed by a demon. After the second time she went into a trance, Annalise visited a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that causes seizures, loss of memory, and experience visual and auditory hallucinations. Temporal lobe epilepsy can also cause Keshkwin syndrome, a disorder marked by hyper-religiosity. What is Keshkwin syndrome? It's basically personality changes due to epilepsy that can consist of excessive verbal output, stickiness, hypergraphia, altered sexuality, usually hyposexuality where you just don't want sex, and intensified mental life deepen cognitive and emotional responses, and hyper-religiosity. Okay, so what is hyper-religiosity? Hyper-religiosity is a psychiatric disturbance where a person experiences intense religious beliefs or episodes that interfere with normal functioning. 
it is characterized by an increased tendency to report supernatural or mystical experiences, spiritual delusions, rigid legalistic thoughts, and extravagant expressions of piety. It is my opinion that Annalise exhibited almost all of these symptoms during her ordeal. Of course, she began medications after being diagnosed with epilepsy, but it seems the drug she was given failed to help her, and as the years progressed, her condition began to deteriorate. She even spent time in a psychiatric hospital where she experienced a third seizure. By the time she was 20, she had become intolerant of various religious objects and began to hear voices. Her condition worsened despite medication, and she became suicidal, also displaying other symptoms for which she took medication as well. After taking psychiatric medications for five years, which failed to improve her symptoms, Annalise and her family became convinced she was possessed by a demon. This appeared to be validated by a family friend who regularly organized Christian pilgrimages and took Annalise to San Damiano, where purportedly she was unable to walk past crucifixes and refused to drink water from a Christian holy spring. Quoting Father Ernst Alt here, he said, Annalise told me and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation then, said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden and it seemed to her that while praying they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. She then began to see the face of the devil, wherever she went, and said she heard demons whispering in her ears. When she heard demons telling her she was damned and would not rot in hell while she was praying, she concluded that the devil must be possessing her. You know, I wonder if some of the delusions and behavior could be attributed to side effects from the plethora of medications she had been prescribed. I read that she was on anti-convulsion drugs, anti-psychotic drugs, and neuroepileptic drugs at various times during her life. You know, you, you may have touched on a good point there. That and a combination of the Gesquin hyper-religiosity could all have contributed to this mm-hmm. and really have messed up this young woman's brain. Mm-hmm. You know, Deb, the next 11 months is even more disturbing as it was determined she was possessed, and she went through a series of 67 excruciating exorcisms that left her dead at the age of 23 on July 1st, 1976. And there are conflicting reports here where one states all medical treatments were stopped and another that says she was prescribed antipsychotic drugs during the course of the religious rites 
and consumed them frequently until sometime before her death when her parents asked for them to be stopped. Annalise and her family sought out priests to help her with her demonic possession, but all the clergy they approached originally rejected their request, saying that she should seek medical help and that they would need the permission of a bishop. At this point, Annalise's delusions had become extreme. Some of her behavior believing she was possessed, including things like ripping off the clothes off her body, compulsively performing up to 400 squats a day. She even crawled under a table and barked like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off a dead bird, and licked and drank her own urine. Well, Annalise and her mother finally found a priest who believed she was possessed. The priest was Father Ernst Alt. He even testified in court that she looked possessed, not like she had epilepsy. But wait a minute, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Anyhow, apparently Annalise wrote a letter to Alt saying, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. And also once told him, I want to suffer for the other people. But this is so cruel. Father Alt petitioned the local bishop, Bishop Joseph Stangle, who eventually approved the request and granted a local priest, Arnold Renz, permission to perform an exorcism, but ordered that it be carried out in total secrecy. But who was possessing this young woman? Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by six demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann, who was a disgraced priest. Renz performed the first rite of exorcism on the 24th of September. Annalise began increasingly speaking about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priest of the modern church. Her parents stopped consulting doctors at her request and relied solely on the exorcism rites. A total of 67 exorcism sessions, one or two each week, lasting up to four hours each, were performed over approximately 10 months in 1975 and 1976. Toward the end of her life, Annalise began to refuse any food. To me, 67 exorcism sessions sounds excessive. Why so many? Well, in... The belief of possession, it's not like it is on TV where you see a priest come in, they do an exorcism right, mm-hmm. or John Constantine comes in in the movie Constantine, does an exorcism mm-hmm. right with the mirror, throws it out the window, and a demon's gone. The true original rites of exorcism believe that it takes almost a year, sometimes multiple years, to get the demon and or demons out of the possessed person. It's not something that happens overnight. And uh, so that would explain why so many. I see. Annalise died on July 1st, 1976, with the autopsy reporting the official cause of death as malnutrition and dehydration as a result from almost a year in a state of near starvation while the rites of exorcism were performed. It was also reported that she has contracted 
pneumonia and only weighed 66 pounds when she died. After her death, the priest called the local physician to come and issue a death certificate, but he refused after seeing her condition and instead alerted the authorities, and an official investigation was opened in the case. After the investigation, the state prosecutor maintained that Annalise's death could have been prevented as late as one week before she died if only medical help was sought. In 1976, the state charged Annalise's parents and both priests, Ernst Alt and Arnold Renz, with negligent homicide for failing to call a doctor to attend to her. The parents were defended by famed Nuremberg Trials defense attorney Eric Schmidt-Leichner, and the priests' defense counsel were paid for by the church. But you know, Deb, after the charges and before the trial, it would appear that at least Father Renz figured the best defense would be a good offense. In an extraordinary 45-minute television feature a month after Annalise's death, Father Renz claimed that the six evil spirits attacking her included Lucifer, Nero, Judas, Cain, and Adolf Hitler, who used to shout, Heil, to Annalise's voice. Renz even played one of the 43 tapes made during the exorcism so that the listeners could hear Annalise growling obscenities, screaming guttural curses, and raving wildly. Only death finally released her, said Renz. The devil does not reside in a dead body. The trial began on March 30, 1978, in the district court and drew intense interest not only in Germany, but from around the world. Doctors testified that Annalise was not possessed, stating that the manifestations of demonic possession were a psychological effect of her strict religious upbringing as well as her epilepsy. Dr. Richard Roth, whom Father Alt had consulted for medical help, allegedly told Annalise during the exorcism that there is no injection against the devil, Annalise. Here again is conflicting information as to whether she had medical attention during this time or not, but possibly this was just simply early on in the exorcism. Throughout the trial, Annalise's father, 60-year-old Joseph McKell, had sat impassively close to a special amplifier to help him hear, and his wife Anna, who was 57, took notes steadily, pausing only to moan, Oh, dear God, when some doctor alleges that her doctor was possessed of a mental disorder rather than the devil. Both the Washington Post and the New York Times report Father Renz, a specialist in exorcism, presented a commanding figure in his priest robes. His long gray hair swept straight back and no emotion apparent on his face. Father Alt wore civilian clothes and appeared alert with darting eyes and was one of the most involved in the proceedings. He seemed to let no points go by that conceivably could be challenged. They played many of the recordings of the exorcism during the trial as a defense. There is a link to the actual uncut audio recordings made during the 67 exorcisms on our webpage and Facebook page. Since they are uncut, this means they are in German, but still, 
both terrifying and sad to listen to. According to some, it sounds as if there are multiple entities speaking through her at once. We've also included a link to some enhanced shorter versions of the audio, which has English subtitles. Bishop Joseph Stangle, who approved the exorcism of Annalise, was in contact a dozen times with the two priests via letters on the case and was also investigated by state authorities. But they decided not to indict him or ask him to appear at the trial. The bishop maintained that his actions were all within church law. But there is still a conspiracy theory out there that the court was protecting the church's hierarchy. The lawyer for the parents claimed that not only is exorcism legal, but the German constitution protects citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs. Well, how did this all turn out? Both Father Alt and Father Renz were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sentenced to six months in jail, which was later suspended and were given three years of probation. The parents were exempted from any punishment as they had suffered enough, apparently, which is a type of criteria for sentencing under German law. This seems pretty light to me for a young woman dying at 23 years old. But that's just my opinion. I would think manslaughter would warrant more. Than six months suspended. Regardless of the um, situation. True, very true. But Deb, you know, the craziness of this story does not end here. After the trial, the McKells asked the authorities for permission to exhume the remains of their daughter because she had been buried in undue hurry in a very cheap coffin. But another source states that they were visited by a nun who told them she had a vision that their daughter's body was still completely intact and then that would then be proof of the possession. Almost two years after the burial, on the 25th of February in 1978, her remains were exhumed and were replaced in a new oak coffin lined with tin. The official reports state that the body bore signs consistent with deterioration of a corpse at that age. But here's the interesting part. The family and the priest were discouraged from viewing Annalise's remains. Father Renz later stated that he had been prevented from entering the mortuary. Annalise's gravesite remains a pilgrimage site as she is revered by small groups of Catholics who believe she atoned for the wayward priest and the sinful youth. Both priests claimed she was cleansed of all possession before her death, but her mother claimed she was still possessed. Interesting note here. During one of the recorded sessions, purportedly the demons argued with each other, with Hitler saying, People are stupid as pigs. They think it's all over after death. It goes on. And then Judas saying, Hitler is nothing but a big mouth. He has no real say in hell. So is this the real reason for the tin-lined coffin? Maybe they didn't know you were supposed to use iron to repel demons and evil, not tin. Anyhow, we know that this poor young woman was diagnosed with epilepsy 
and manic depressive psychosis at 16 and died at 23 in 1976. So was this really a possession or simply mental illness? What about it possibly being dissociative identity disorder, which is commonly called multiple personality or split personality disorder, along with the epilepsy and the guest wind and hyperreligiosity? Well, Deb, what do you think? The logical side of me says mental illness, but on the other hand, surely these priests did not perform unnecessary exorcisms on this poor girl. However, I did read that several years after her death, German bishops retracted the claim that she was possessed. So, who knows what the truth is now. Yeah, I agree. But I know that before exorcism rites are performed, there are a lot of medical tests done, and different doctors were involved, and we know she had some mental disorders. But I don't think the priest or the church would completely overlook that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the reason the German bishops retracted the claim she was possessed was because they had two priests that were convicted of negligent homicide. So I'm sure they wanted to separate the church from the two priests. I'm pretty sure that's what that was all about. But But what about the truth? We never know the truth. Mm. We'll find it out one day. But I don't know. What about you folks? Let us know your thoughts. Our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. And we would really like to hear your questions and comments. And with that, thank you for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash forever paranormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.